I think it's happening. Hey, good evening, everybody. Welcome to Adam Makes Beer. My name's Adam. Uh, quick shout to anybody in the chat. When you get in, if you want to just give me the high sign, the old thumbs up, that audio is good and we're good to go. That would be fantastic. Uh, but super excited about this evening's episode. We have some cool stuff going on over at Adam Makes Beer. We are now a podcast. Super majority of you have found my stuff through YouTube. And just recently, I changed over the long form brewer interviews that we do, the Q&A. You can find the talk that I did on leadership at the Ohio Craft Brewers Conference all on this podcast. And you can go to Spotify and Apple Podcasts in order to do that. If you do, please go ahead and give that a sub, a follow. And if you're so motivated, give it that, smash that five-star rating. I've been, I've been told that I'm supposed to be asking people to smash the button, Rock. <laughs> Rock, you, listen, if, if you're not, if, if you are listening on podcast, uh, hopefully it's on Spotify because Spotify will have the video. But you're, you're going to love what you're seeing oh, good. Uh, on good. the other half of the screen. Good. Um, so, yeah, please go ahead and check that stuff out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Also, if you are new to the channel or podcast, go to Adam Makes Beer on YouTube. Click the playlist tab and see tons of info. We have full-on grain to glass, as some of the kids say, brew days. Uh, it's like you're in the brewery uh, working alongside with me. We have technique videos, tutorial videos, over 400 videos now posted on that site. Go dig through the playlist on there. There's more information there than you can uh, probably believe because I can't believe how much crap I've put up there over the last 18 yeah. months. <laughs> so that's that's been wild. Uh, so check that stuff out. Also, remember on Tuesday, this is a little bit of a change up. If, if you've been following along with us, you know that we do a monthly live stream Q&A where I take listener questions and talk those out. This is a little bit of a change up due to my schedule, but we are going to be firing this thing off on a Tuesday, August 1st at 7 p.m. Not only that, but, but this is also the birthday episode. Uh, I thought I was turning 45 this year, but I'm turning 46. <laughs> So that was a little bit of a wake-up call. Uh, but please be dropping those questions if you're in time, if you're listening to this in time to tune in for that live stream. Please drop your questions in there, and we will make that happen. And then today we are going to be talking with brewmaster Rockney Van Meter from Redwood Steakhouse and Brewery. Many, many, many times over heavily decorated. We're going to be talking about all things beer Maybe some things that you could see coming from talking to a guy like Rock, whether it be competitions or brewing Belgian beers. I know he's he's taken home tons of hardware for a wide range of styles, but we might even talk a little light lager. Listen, baby, it's hot out there. I don't know if you noticed. At least it is in, in you know, Ohio. So it's hot out there and it's light lager season. Okay. So we're gonna be hitting on a whole bunch of things, but before we get into the Brewer interview, let's talk a little bit about my dear friends at Blickman Engineering. 
Blickman Engineering has been the pioneer of nano brewing, and they have helped hundreds of successful breweries achieve their dreams since they started with one barrel systems in 2006. Now offering a full suite of brew houses up to 15 barrels skidded and insulated, matching cellaring equipment, keg washers, grain mills, and more, sized specifically for the nano brewer. Blickman Pro Brewing Systems are competitively priced without sacrificing quality. And the simple design and factory direct support from our brewing ex experts gets you up and running faster than anything else on the market. When you're ready to go pro or just kicking the tires, be sure to reach out to them for expert advice and a partner to help you through it all. Turn your dreams into a reality by reaching out to Phil, Tom, or Josh at ProSeries at BlickmanEngineering.com. That's ProSeries at BlickmanEngineering.com. Blickman Engineering Pro Brewing is proud to be the equipment sponsor for this channel and is committed to helping every brewer, no matter where they are in their journey. So, ladies and gentlemen, we are joined by Rockney himself, Mr. Van Meter. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? You're looking great, man. You, you're, Thank you. You, you, look, you look relaxed. You're, the, I am relaxed. I've, the, I've been sleeping well lately. That, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> good for you. You got a beautiful backdrop. I mean, you've got. It, it's not easy to beat uh, the fireplace. No, it's and, not. and and the bookshelf full of unread books uh, that's behind me. But you've this got hold on, like Sears, <laughs> like the Sears, you know, from the seventies. This is a big thing. You're in a basement. There's just tons yeah. of like empty paint cans behind you. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing to see. This is nothing big. to see here. Well, uh, listen, man, this is um, for, for those of you that, that might not know, actually, some people on the podcast side, if, if you if you started following Adam Makes Beer through podcast, you might know that the, the first podcast I have posted is with Rock. And that was in the in the early days. If you're if you're looking at the quality of the video content I'm producing right now and you're thinking this is terrible. You should have seen what I was doing a year and a half ago. Uh, this this live stream went a little sideways. We were trying to utilize some different software, and uh, things got wonky. And so uh, it's a great conversation. You really should go and check that out. But this time we're, we're we're dusting it off once again. A little bit better, a little bit better video, a little bit better audio, and uh, and we're gonna do our slightly thing. better video, slightly better video. <laughs> that first one was a gem. I told you, share this replay that. In its entirety. <laughs> well, you know, I listened to it the other day, and and it's it, it is funny. You know, I don't, um, I haven't really. Well, there's really only one person I've interviewed so far that I'm not like you know close with. Um, and so it's I, I listened back to that interview, man. It was it was just such a it was a bunch of fun. I hope there's I hope it there's was. some stuff for for other people to enjoy out of it as well. But but it was it was so much fun that for me, I almost felt like. Wow, this was this was so great that I, I hopefully it just wasn't too like I don't know just like you and me hanging out. But then again, at the same time, I think that's that's also a good thing. So yeah, yeah, so, sure. yeah. I don't even know what the hell we talked about last time. <laughs> you, I mean, you. I assume it was beer related, right? I mean, primarily, I I, I would assume I, I would assume. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I, I went back and I listened to kind of make sure that that we didn't hit necessarily all the all the same stuff. But, you know, you know how it goes. So Rock and I, we, we probably talk a couple a couple times a month and 
you know, most of the conversation is, you know, what we have going on at the brew house, what we're trying different. And I don't know, just kind of the the new stuff we're working on and, and bouncing ideas and, and techniques and approaches off each other. So I, I think it's important to have those to, to have those people. And, I, and I'm lucky to have uh, and I'm lucky to have them. So. So, yeah, man. So let's start talking about beer, brother. You are uh, okay. let's let's uh, what do you do? We'll start off like this. What are you drinking? Uh, Mexican lager. Mm. The one we uh, discussed uh, in depth months ago. Yeah. Yeah. We, we really dove in on that. So I, I've been making uh, I mean, it's been one of our biggest sellers. <laughs> yeah. If you're watching the video, man. His uh, his his drinking vessel is, is is next level, but we've been we've been making an adjunct lager at Cartridge for I don't know probably two of the three years that that we've been open, and it was it was kind of one of those things where we were making some different lagers and we we're looking at maybe trying to create a little bit of a a footprint in the area as a place that you know is a lager producing brewery. And we were doing a lot of traditional German stuff. And then we're like, well, listen, let's let, let's make something. Let's make an adjunct lager. So something down four, two, four, three, 13 IBU, stuff like that. Nice and light. And man, it, it really flew off the shelves for us. Whenever that beer is on tap, it's it's always at the top of the list. You, you throw a you throw a lime in it and, and it just serves. Um, how have you found that that beer uh, being received, uh, at least through the lens of like sales wise? What, what are the sales telling you on putting that light lager up? Uh, it's going pretty good. It's 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 either a number one or a number two. But uh, if it's number two, it's it's pretty close. Like it's sure. very close. Um, I've renamed I started off as a Mexican lager on the menu. Mm -hmm. And then I was talking to a beer rep and he thought, well, is it a spicy beer? Which made me think that might be throwing people off. If they oh, didn't read the description. Yeah, sure. I didn't. I had no thought of that. Um, so I changed it to Redwood Light. Okay. In the past, they had a Redwood Light beer on there. And sure. it was a, a good uh, um, a good seller. So I renamed it and it, it hasn't really changed anything. Yeah. Um, so, you know, either way, it's still it's still a number. Usually a number one or number two. Number one is either a Kolsch or this Mexican light uh, lager. Sure. So I think that's I think that's interesting because I, I think Kolsch is one of those real classic lighter beers that you can put on because it kind of scratches that itch for the people that say, you know, give me the lightest beer you have. Yeah. But it could but it can also be, you know, it, it can also be appreciated on kind of the nerd level, too. Right. Uh, yeah, of, sure. of really being able to uh, to to dig in with that. So yeah, I, I think it's interesting that it, that it's right up there toward the top, and I think it kind of speaks to how many people are still. And when I say instill, I, I I don't mean it to sound like like I'm like <laughs> like I'm being insulting, but man, a, a lot of people out there drink yellow fizzy beer, man. You know? Yeah, most people do. Our bestseller yeah. has always been <laughs> uh, the Kolsch, except for that one. You yeah, know, it's all, yeah. it's always been our Kolsch. It's never, um, it's never been a stout or anything like that. It's always sure. And that beer in that vessel looks, I, I is probably a little bit more golden than what it looks like in a, because especially up by the the calf, um, <laughs> <laughs> in the calf yes. portion of the boot, you could stop rubbing yeah. it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> well, quit, quit talking. I'll quit rubbing. It. <laughs> 
but so but I, I i remember you sent me some other pictures on yeah 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 yeah, yeah just beautiful just beautiful uh pale yellow prep straw rock yeah, How do we I feel like, about straw there? Are you drinking it with? The, are you drinking it with a lime tonight? Do you serve it with the lime I at the am, brewery? Um, yes, the lime at the brewery, but not not tonight. I have them, but I just didn't do it. What's your What is your preference with that beer? Lime, lime. Tell me why. Lime. Uh, I don't know. Just because it's uh, when I made it, that's the way I thought of of drinking it, sure. and I think it does add a little something because it's it's a you know it's a it's a super light beer. It's like 4%, 4.1, what, you know, whatever yeah, it is, it's yeah. light. Um, and the, the lime goes well with it. You know, it was made to have lime as one of the ingredients. Sure. So sure. that's how it was. That's how I had it in my brain. That's how I made it. That's how I, I think it tastes better. Whether you may or may not think so, you know, or anybody else, I don't know, but I think it tastes sure. better with. So I, I think the interesting thing with the style like this, because this, this style is is a little bit nebulous. Um, there's there's some there's some descriptors in uh, not well not GABF Brewers Association style guideline, um, but I think they go general and say that it, it could it can be an adjunct lager. I, I don't think they necessarily say it has to be corn, has to be rice, different things like right. that, or has to be dextrose or whatever. Sure. Um, but but yeah, the, you know, in, in theory, it is supposed to have some of that adjunct in there to, to lighten that up. One of the things that I found when I went back, I, I forget how long ago it was, but I was drinking a Bud Miller Coors product and it was like the, the light version of whatever. And I was surprised by how borderline sweet those beers were. It's because in, in my mind, there's so little bitterness in them. Right. Like there's not there, and maybe as people that are used to drinking craft beer, we're just used to a little bit more assertive bitterness. But when you talk about using that lime in there and kind of building building that recipe, what what kind of IBU do you have in in, in that beer that's in front of you right now? Um, calculated at seven. Calculated at seven. Yeah. If that thing was like at fifteen or twenty, would it work as well with a lime? Do you think? Uh. I didn't know. I don't think so. I don't think I so don't either, think so. man. I, no. I, I, because I, I, I think it's, you know, kind of the two classic balancers of sweetness in beer is, you know, I think off the top, everybody thinks of bitterness, but then also tartness, acidity plays in there as well. Right. Sure. And so I, I think one of the things that helps to make, even if I'm drinking like a, a, a light Bud Miller Coors product, if I'm drinking Corona, because everyone expects it with Corona. And you can do the same thing with with with, with Bud Light, Miller Light, whatever. Having that little splash of lime in there, that little, that little, oh, baby, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> flop, flop, fizz, fizz or well, something. Yeah, yeah, man. So, you know, having that little hint of acidity in there, I, I think actually plucks those beers up. And I think you also get the benefit of like when you and we're, we're both cooking guys. We, we both enjoy cooking when you when you squeeze that lime into that beer, you're also busting out some of those some of those zest that that outer zest stuff that's going on. And, and really, for, for me, almost regardless of the citrus fruit, the zest always seems to think to be the thing that that packs the most impact that brings the most impact you know what i mean i, I, I just say i just think it brightens it up man i, I absolutely yeah, love sure. it in those beers 
yeah, I think it makes it more drinkable as opposed to just being some like fizzy thing. I think it gives it a lot of character. Sure. You was know? there ever, well, cause I can say for myself, there is a period of time in my brewing career where I would have said, Oh, you want to put a lime in my beer. You can go straight to hell. Yeah. Uh, have you ever, well, obviously you're not there now. You, you, no. I've seen you drink it with lime before. Were you ever there at that part in your career where you didn't want something like lime being served on your glass? Sure, sure. In the beginning, uh, you know, or close to the beginning of my professional and craft drinking uh, career, it seemed like every uh, Hefeweizen was served with um, with an orange. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not talking Blue Moon. I mean, you know, other stuff. And it was just like, they, they plunk an orange on it. Yeah. And then the head would just go... Pfft down to nothing and, I didn't, and it had like this orange thing on the rim I, you know i never liked the the fruit salad they threw in there sure um so so no not really i mean i, I think if it belongs in there sure for whatever reason if, if it says this beer like on our menu it says serve with a lime sure so at least at least i know what's coming sure um but i i mean you know i don't know if it says if it says it on there and i go i'd like to try that then i would try that sure but, when it's just like, you know, like they ninja them and they plunk, you know, a whole <laughs> thing of fruit on the glass. It does. It's always the, it's always uh, just annoyed me. Sure. You know, yeah. and, and, and I, I remember for me for a long time, it was a real purist thing. And, and I also think that it was, I don't know, me being a little too, a, a little too self-important about things. But, yeah, um, I was on that high horse too with it. I was sure. definitely with you. Like, oh, come on. Yeah. Don't you know? It's, <laughs> they're just trying to sell a beer, you know? Like, well, and, and the flip side is, is right now, man, like when we, when people come into our spot at Cartridge and they see the lime on the edge of the glass, most people are like, what's the beer with a lime? Yeah. Or when we do our pina colada beer called Escape, um, I'm our, the bartenders hate me. Um, one, because I'm hateable. <laughs> but two, because with 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 escape, they have to cut little uh, pineapple wedges. Oh wow! And so and so each one of those gets the pineapple garnish on it, and people walk in and they say, "What's the beer with pineapple on it?" And like, dude, honestly, it sells stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and like, sure. and I and I think that's part of what's gotten me over it is that I, I realized that. People, I, I need people to buy the beer that I'm making. Right. Um, and, and already, let, let, let's be real. Like, I'm making a pina colada beer with pineapple and coconut and lactose in it. And what, I'm, I'm going to start getting high and mighty on, on, on style and history. You, you know what I mean? It's, it, it's right. You, you kind of have to, you kind of just accept it at a certain point. Right. Um, but yeah, no. So I, I, I think that's one of the, I personally think it's a big part of the style for me. Sure. That, that light lager uh, Mexican lager. I think it kind of should be built for that lime. Yeah. But yeah. So, no, let me ask you, Adam, let yeah. me ask you, uh, sure. are there any beers that you like, you know, the hazy IPA thing, people, you know, it's become a, a, a giant thing, but back in the day it was like frowned upon to have that haze in your IPA. Mm -hmm. uh, do you see anything happening? Like what could you see? But you say to sell beer, you'll put, fruit in it you put whatever you want and i get that sure what what are there any thoughts in the future of like things that you just wouldn't do gosh I, I, you know what i mean like yeah like and, and i think it's a, a lot of it has been stuff that i have 
it's it's just been stuff that I've refrained from doing. Um, I personally am not big on having unfermented fruit going into package. And so for me, like I know full well that I could take, you know, 15, 20 boxes of puree, each one of those boxes, like 42 pounds or something. <laughs> I could, I could throw it into a bright tank. I could rack a blonde ale on top of it. And I could bubble CO2 through that thing as I kegged that smoothie out. Yeah. And it would, it would sell like crazy. Um, because other people are doing it. All right. I, that's one thing that I really struggle with is the idea of especially putting unfermented fruit into a finished beer. Obviously there's the, there's the stability standpoint, you know, you're, you're, yeah. you're throwing all that sugar into package, especially can and a bottle isn't as much as it used to be, but you know, any small package, any non keg and, and, and even kegs, I'm, I'm not crazy about it. I, I feel like, I don't know. I tend to resist the things that I think are super gimmicks. Um, and there's some things that I just think uh, there are some things that I do because I think it needs to be on the menu. I don't think you have to do it with everything, though. Um, so, yeah, for me, I, th there is kind of a line. And, and for me, it's, it's a whole bunch of. It's like the idea of making a 15% beer and then cutting it with fruit, fruit puree down to 7% because sure. people do that. And that I just don't, I, I don't even like the idea of like putting that out as a product and, and not to sound like weird and like insanely health conscious because we're, we're talking about beer. But at a certain point, you're just serving fruit smoothie that has alcohol in it. And I don't know. It's, that's that's where it starts to get a little wonky for me, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I know and I know you're not I, I know you're not a big IPA guy in general, uh, but especially so for for the hazy side of things. Uh, yeah, that's that's correct. I'm not I'm not. I mean, I understand the IPA has a place. I mean, it's been around for a very long time. Sure. Um, but there's just it seems like the industry's gotten stuck on hops because there's, you know, the term juicy and all these sure there's four there's like what 10 or 12 categories now of ipa driven beers sure. and they're all pretty much just the same thing just called different sure you know like, i i think IPA it to be I, I find it to be and that is one of the things i remember i was at cbc uh last year maybe or a year before whatever and girds and i uh were at the the crosby booth they have like the they're outside, you know, outside the, the trade show or whatever. They have a big thing and they have 10, 12 beers on tap or whatever. And I was mm. tasting through all the hazy stuff. Really just I, I wanted to taste what other people had going on. And 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 I'm not trying to sound like negative or, or anything like that. I enjoyed the beers, but the beers all tasted like London 3, that London 3 strain with... Yeah with Citra and Mosaic. Um, and that was probably what most of those beers are because it makes a tasty version of that style. But there wasn't a lot of elbow room. You know what I mean? There wasn't a lot of, there, there wasn't a lot of difference. And, and that's not taking shots at anybody else's beer. 
I, I just think so much of those beers are that yeast strain and citron something else. Um, and, and it can become a little, a little monochromatic. Yeah. That's, I find it quite redundant. The whole, all of that, all of that. It doesn't anger me. I just, it's just like, Oh, let's, sure. let's move on from the whole hop thing. Sure. Uh, let's put some resources into finding out other things about other parts of the beer. So you can sure. learn how to use that. But I think we know enough about hops for the time being. Sure. Well, <laughs> dude, there, there's there's so much stuff coming down on on the yeast side now, which is really wild. Um, if you Omega Yeast has a newsletter, I believe, called Top Crop, and they have tons of they, they're just reporting out on the stuff that they're doing. And now they're doing a lot of stuff with uh, engineered yeast. And so you, we, you know, we've talked over the, over the last 18 months about the work that I've been doing, like with thialized strains, what you can do with those with hot forward beers and whatever. But now they're, now they're making, they're making strains that will produce ALDC and ALDC is this enzyme, which will stop the production of diacetyl in a beer. I've heard about that. Yeah. So yeah, so like they, yeah. you can buy ALDC right now and add it to the fermenter at pitch, I, I believe, and, and it will and it will hold back production of. I, I think it's essentially diacetyl precursor. I think that's how it's functioning. I could okay. be I, I could be wrong on that, but either way, it's supposed to prevent diacetyl in your beer. And then now they have just the strain itself that will produce that. So it's, yeah, I uh, like that. That's useful stuff for people who don't make IPAs all day and all night. Sure, sure. You know? and, and, they, and they have it in, in, in a range of different styles, in a range of different yeasts. I believe they have like uh, their they have some lager strains that will uh, self produce ALDC. Um, so what is as well style? as hot for as well it's as a, it, sorry. No, go, it's go a ahead. Yeast, like so, they have a Belgian like it's a yeast that does that, or there's an additive, or is it a uh, they've modified. It the is yeast the yeast. It's the yeast itself. So oh. if you're used to 3470 as your yeah. lager strain, it is 3470, but with a gene switched uh -oh. that will produce <laughs> ALDC. So you do not. So that thing will not create diacetyl. Okay. I would like a separate thing. I'd like to be able to use that yeast to get the flavor profile, but then throw that in there like, like biofine or you know, something like that. I would find that to be useful. I'd be a little, uh, I don't know, hesitant to use a, a strain that had that in there. I would, you know, sure. Uh, cause it might change, could change anything and everything. Right. Well, and that's the thing. And, and right now over in the chat, Hey, human on earth, he, he also says, um, yeah, they're, they're also, they're, they're genetically modified strains. Um, and he said that that freaks him out. I am in no yeah. way, shape or form a, a scientist. And I don't know. I mean, look at me. I mean, look at that front tooth rock. You see it kicking off the side. <laughs> I mean, the, the, a guy, guy with teeth like that doesn't have answers. Yeah, on you got to be a like scientist. This. What are you talking about? <laughs> what else are you going to do but with dude, this? But dude, you, you know, like, I, I can't tell you one way or another how to feel about these, these genetically modified yeasts. If you're sketched out by it, I, I don't have an issue with it. You know what I mean? Sure. Don't drink the beer. Don't use it. Um, I've used them. Um, I also don't drink a ton of beer, so I'm probably not sweating it that much, but I mean, yeah. um, 
I, I'm not sure if they're available everywhere right now. I'm not sure if that GMO stuff is even sanctioned to use in Europe. And I could be talking out of the side of my head here. But I, I do think I, I do. I, I'm not sure if they're if you're able to use them everywhere. So I mean that that is a concern a concern that some people have, and and like I said, I I can't judge it one way or another, so I won't. But yeah, I mean there it it, it is a it, I don't know it it is a it is a strange thing. I and they have other strains too that they are so right now. Omega is classifying standard yeast strains that are more that are more likely to produce a stable haze. And so they're actually work. They're actually clicking. Uh, they're they're modifying a gene in yeast strains that will actually make that more yeast, a uh, more haze positive. Gotcha. So it's it's kind of bizarre, man. I I don't know. I don't know. And I mean, I I think some of the stuff can be useful tools, but there's some. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, good. Let me know how it works out. I, <laughs> I, I can't, I can't wait to use some haze uh, positive yeast <laughs> strains for my. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it would be good, like if they could do it for, like for me, I do I like Belgian beer specifically. Like yeah. a wit would be nice, you know. Mm -hmm. But I would, like I said, I would rather have something that I could add to it. Like, sure. um, what is the uh, thing you have in the to take the uh, gluten out of it? What is that stuff called? Oh, I'm using. Uh... Brewers Clarex, which is a, okay. sim a similar product to Clarity Firm, right, uh, but Clarity just, Firm was what I was thinking. just yeah. the FYI on that Clarity Firm is essentially the, the, sue me, bring it at me, White Labs. It's essentially dilute Brewers Clarex. So if you're going to be <laughs> using that in the brew house, don't use the the Clarity Firm calculator for Brewers Clarex because Brewers Clarex is 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 a is a more concentrated form, essentially. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's that been working out really well. You can see Good. right here that I have been, this is the first time on a, on a live stream in some time that there is beer in a glass in front of me. And this is a beer that I brewed with, uh, with Clarity Firm. And this is the second time I've drank it, and as in like having a full pint. Um, and I've had no issues with it, man. It, it's actually been a, it's actually been a, a, a really good thing. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, it, it is, it is, uh, it is nice to be able to have that control over some of those things. Sure. Um, whether it be the ALDC stuff, I need to start playing with that because I have cans going out to distro now and they're going to be sitting warm, uh, with my IPA. And cool. I, I think I, I think <laughs> I probably I probably want to start getting some ALDC in there, um, just on the off chance that something gets a little hot, creepy, uh, sure. while, it's, yeah. while it's in the can. Yeah, so, let me know how it works. For sure. So yeah. th that makes me that makes me wonder because I know you said your basically second or third best selling beer is your IPA. Yeah, with with the light uh, lager that's on, it's it's number three. Mm -hmm. It's the Kolsch and the and the and the, the light, vice versa, sure. and then the IPA is uh, is the third, which is kind of strange because they're kind of the exact opposite beers. Sure, sure. Right, I mean, one's you know sixty five seventy IBU, the other one's yeah seven. Yeah, you know, one's <laughs> seven and a half percent, one's four. You know, I mean, but I think it kind of speaks to that range of people that come into the pub. You know what I mean? 
yeah, uh, there, there's yeah. a lot of people that just want to just want a pint to crush. And there's somebody that's coming in that's looking for something, you know, much more bold, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. So when it when it comes to that, uh, we mentioned hop creep. Have you ever had hop creep in, in the IPA that you're that you're brewing? I don't think so. Hop creep comes from uh, it's not dry hopping. It's not where it comes yes. from. Yeah. Yeah. I don't dry hop. So no. Oh, you're a savage. You don't dry. I'm, a, I'm an old school savage. I don't do it at all. <laughs> I don't do it. At all. So I did got, it one time. The last time uh, I dry hopped was about, jeez, uh, I don't know, a, a year ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I, you know, transfer into the fermenter, um, which I've, um, you know, clean purged, blah, blah, blah. And then I add some um, pellet to the top. And then I, I research through the, uh, uh, the racking arm. And yeah. about, I don't know, halfway through the batch being gone, or, you know, maybe a quarter left, it just started to oxidize. It just turned like, like brown. Cause mine is, yeah. a, I don't add any a caramel malt into my, uh, my sure. IPA. It's a, you know, it's a relatively blonde yeah. uh, beer. So I had to let go of, you know, a couple of barrels cause it just, it got oxidized the color and the flavor and everything. So, um, and I, I went back and was, had to figure out like what the hell just happened like why does this sure. why is this beer turning like cardboard brown mm-hmm. and i went through my notes and it was because i had uh it's the only time since i had been there that i had uh, uh dry hopped and you know research of the arm and stuff so um, yeah and oxygen so no. is such a is such a big is is such a big part of it man um especially well, i mean yeah. in, in all beers once there's alcohol present you know what i mean once you get sure. past growth phase with that yeast man it's it's just poison yeah. And I think that's one of the tough things with those hot forward beers. Um, and especially if you're going to be, if you're going to be dry hopping is, is, is keeping oxygen out of them, man. That's the, that's the kiss of death with those beers. Yeah. And inherently if you're dry hopping, you're, you the, the potential's there, you know? Sure. Absolutely. I mean, it's not there with anything else. It's you're, sure. you're, you know, you're, you're tempting fate with those beers. Sure. I have the sweet, I have the sweet little uh, pressurizable hop doser. Have you ever? I saw that. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, that that, that yeah. is slick. And I yeah. also think, and I also think, even from a even from a safety standpoint, if if any of you out there are, are in that situation where you're still busting that four inch cap off the top of your fermenter, and you're pouring bags of hops in there, and then hoping to get that hoping to get that cap back on in time before that thing comes out at you and says hello. Um, this hop doser is the way to go. The the valve that goes on it, this big giant four inch valve, which is kind of awesome in and of itself. I just put that on the top of the tank, and then I cap over that just so that surface that's that would be open otherwise is is sealed and sanitary. Sure. But then that that doser just straps right on there. You can pressurize the doser. You can purge it. Um, it's really the only way to go. And, and I think especially from a safety standpoint, man. Because I mean, you've seen videos of people having beer shooting out of the tank. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. How big a you have? It's a three-inch port, right? I, it's a, a four on four? mine. A it's four? a four-inch, yeah. Yeah, I, I have like only a, like a, a, it's like a two-inch PRV or something. Okay, so you're dry hopping through the PRV. Right? Yeah, that's that's well, pretty yeah, standard for I a did. PRV. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I don't, but yeah. So I don't know if they make them, and even if they did, I don't even know if I would want to waste the, the the hop on it. I don't even know if it's worth it to sure. me you know? I mean, well, you know i'm not that ipa guy i don't know well and that's that's the funny thing and, and i think we've i i don't think i've said it before on here but i i do think it's funny how 
different people have different palate for things because for me, I'm very sensitive to phenols. Like phenols for me become like plastic so fast. Like, do you remember when we were kids and you get a toy and then there'd be like a, a piece of plastic that was in the packaging or whatever? Oh, yeah. And because sure. I was a spaz, I would bend it and I would want it to break, but it wouldn't. And it would just stretch and bend. But you start bending it and it starts getting hot and you're just a spaz. So you keep doing it and yeah, it actually yeah. starts smelling like oil or like it's, it starts smelling like weird. You know what I mean? And real like hot plastic. Dude, phenols go from like you know, like lightly, like, like uh, a little, a generally spicy, maybe a little bit of clove, just boom, straight to burnt plastic for me. Okay. Uh, there's no, there's no in between. And so you're talking about kind of, you know, how IPA isn't your thing. When I went to Belgium, I sat down in a place with appropriate glassware because everybody has the appropriate glassware there so there's 10 different beers you can get they all know how to pour it out of the bottle but if, if you're ordering west mall or you know uh, rodenbach whatever they all have the right glassware and everything <laughs> so they come over they pour my west mall triple and dude for me that beer was so phenolic for me I felt really? like the, I, I felt like the biggest douchebag because here I am in Brussels with my chalice of West Mall, and I'm like, eh, I think it's a little plasticky. Could be better. You know? yeah. <laughs> now listen, okay. I know I know full well that is the that I mean that's essentially I, at least that's what BJCP used to say that I, I think they had West Mall triple rated as like the triple in the world or at least like one of yeah. the ones right i, I mean, would agree i would agree it's, it's the top of the mountain but yeah. for my stupid palate it was phenolic you know what i mean and i just yeah. know that that's but then there was other beers that i had there that i thought were fruitier which were more in, in a range where i liked it you know what i mean yeah but yeah i mean everybody has their everybody has right. their so you went to Belgium, you go to Westmont, you have the beer and you hate it. You're like, ah. <laughs> God bless you. In, in all fairness, I was at a beer bar. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah. uh, it was, <laughs> it was my only, it was, it was my only bad experience. So uh, when, when we went there, when we went there, we did the whole thing where I had a buddy of mine say, hey, we should go. And he actually, he actually took me there. He actually paid for me to go. I couldn't go. So at the time, I was not working. I was on sabbatical from teaching. So I'm receiving no paycheck. It's between that and me starting my pro brewing career. Okay. And he comes over the house and he has the ro like three ro different Roquefort beers. And we're splitting them and we're sipping them, whatever. And so, I mean, back then, the talk was always best beer in the world was West Veteran 12. Yeah. Right. So for sure. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, not know, for you though. It's no, too fruity. <laughs> no, I loved it. Actually, I'll say this though. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. But, uh, and I said, you know, how good of a story would it be to just fly to Belgium, go to the monastery, drink this beer and come home. And we're laughing, talking, whatever, sipping on these Belgian beers. And uh, a little bit later, he's like, Hey, listen, you know, we, we should go. And I said, yeah, man, that'd be great. And he goes, no, seriously, we should go. 
And I said, well, I can't afford it. And he said, well, I'll take you. And I said, you're going to pay for me to go to Belgium for a weekend. And he goes, yeah, man. He goes, I've got, he's got, I've got some extra money. He said, and the funny thing was, he's, he said, if, if I don't, if, if I don't do something awesome with it like this, I'm just going to buy a bunch of stupid uh, science fiction DVDs. Um, wow. So, so let's awesome. act, he said, so let's do something awesome with it. And I'm like, wow. Okay, so okay, yeah. <laughs> here I do. I pick up the phone. I call my wife, who's working. Uh, I'm like, "Hey, babe, how's it going?" And she's like, "Good. How are you?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm just having some drinks with Kevin." She goes, "Oh, that's nice." And I say, "Hey," I said, "He wants to go to Belgium." And she goes, "Really?" She goes, "Well, that sounds like fun." And uh, she goes, "Well, for for how long?" And and I'm like, "Just for like a long weekend, like a Friday to a Monday, just in and out." You know what I mean? And she goes, well, that sounds great. And she goes, but, you know, we don't have the money for that. And I said, yeah, I know, but he wants to pay for me to go. And she goes, well, sounds great. When do you want to go? <laughs> yeah, that's a good answer. That's a, that's yeah. a good woman right there, yeah. man. So yeah, her, her her unemployed husband laying on the couch. Uh, Get you out about- of there for a while. She got shopping out of the country. Across the world. It's like, oh, it's about so, dude, so I, I ended up calling my, my buddy, my buddy Lou, who... Um, he had done some, he had, he, he's traveled in Europe before. Um, and he was single at the time. And so, I mean, I'm like, Hey dude, in like six weeks, we're going to Belgium. Do you want to go? And he goes, yeah. So it was the three of us and, and we went over there and, and the first day we hit up Cantillon, uh, which was absolutely just a sensational experience. Uh, second day we took the, we took the train out to, well, I guess the town is Poperinge, and then from there you oh, have right. to either you either have to bike or taxi out. We biked out to the monastery, uh, to West Lettern, um, and that was had some so-so beer over there, and then dude, no, I, well, I'll I'll tell you that. Well, those beers are really that that style of that style of Belgian beer is much more my wheelhouse, like the 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 darker, richer red brown beers. Yeah. Um, those strong ales, um, when, when yeah. it comes to those styles, uh, of Belgian beer, um, that, that's really, that's really what I prefer. Um, I say double, I know you say double, but, uh, doubles, uh, quads, dark strongs, whatever you want to call them there. Th- those are, that's my preference for, for a Belgian beer, uh, because I, I love like the, like the, the dark cherry, uh, the, the fig, the plummy stuff, you know, yeah. the, the darker Fantastic. fruit stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, without it's question. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, when we went there, they had the six, the eight, and the twelve. And so the six was like not quite a table beer. It, it may have. I'm trying to remember the ABV on it, but it was the most sessionable of the beers. It was, it was, okay. it was pale. It was golden, um, firmly bitter, not pale, not like Sierra Nevada pale ale bitter less than right. that but you know belgian character probably like a you know belgian pale ale type beer right mm-hmm. yeah. um and then it went up to the eight and then the 12. now i will say this drinking them all right there the eight beat the 12. but i think the reason was is i think it hit its prime sooner because it's a lower abv that 12 is is, is higher okay. And I sure. think we were all drinking them at about the same age. Um, I right. think if you get, if you actually get a little bit, and I don't think it needs a lot of time. Like I'm, I'm not coming. Those beers were, I mean, it, it was, 
I don't know, as hokey as you want to get about, you know, a beer experience, as far as it goes, I mean, those beers were magic. You know what right. I mean? For, 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 yeah. for, for the love of God, you flew over, you flew over the Atlantic Ocean. You took a train. Who in the United States takes a train? I mean, places. Yeah. I mean, and it, and it wasn't a subway. Like, it was a, a real train, like, out into the countryside. Yeah. And, and then you ride a bike to get to a monastery where the guys won't talk to you. You know what I mean? Like, there, there, mm -hmm. there's so much built around it. You know, there, yeah. there's, there's so much magic built into it. It's an adventure. You know? Oh, dude, it was I, I, honestly, and that was the thing, you know, and, and this is kind of an off the cuff thing, but uh, the guy that I ended up going to Belgium with, Kevin, um, I haven't seen him as much over the last several years. And and sometimes that's just how, how life is, you know what I mean? But uh, I dude, that's something that that's something you don't, you don't forget. He was absolutely right. He could have spent that money on, you know, Deep Space Nine DVDs. <laughs> or you know like yeah. done that and and it was wild man you know it, it yeah. was just it was just an absolutely magic experience but no th those beers were gorgeous man and there was nothing there, there was nothing you could get there you can get the uh the six the eight and the twelve and you can get cheese and you could get some sort of processed meatloaf there was it was like almost like cold cutty like type uh, and it had like chunks of meat inside of a larger meat slice. Um, I don't so, even I don't even know what you're saying. Chunks of meat inside of a larger meat slice. Yeah, I mean, like, so just imagine it was like uh, I don't know. It was like, like a kaleidoscope a, of meat. Yeah, but it was all stuck <laughs> together. It was like some sort of meat compression. That sounds uh, delicious. So, <laughs> I know how the to sell cold cuts, baby. Yeah, you're good, man. <laughs> But no, dude. So, so yeah, man. But, but that really was, I mean, that was one of those things where, I mean, you, you couldn't beat it, you know? And then we, we you know, we, we had the, the, the great part of it was, is we, we didn't realize. So, so none of us, none of us speak any local language, you know, we're just three American dummies out there sure. and we, we, we don't realize in our excitement, we don't realize that it's all slightly downhill going to the monastery and then right. so we're we're at the monastery, and so they have a, a a building across the street from the monastery. It looks like a little bit like a this is going to sound bad, but like a glorified, uh, like a glorified like uh, freeway rest stop. Okay, I'm I'm not joking. I feel a little bad saying it, but it's yeah, nice. Well, it's right. a nice building. But sure. um, but you go over there, and they have the three beers and the meat and cheese, and and that's what they do. Um. But it was all kind of downhill on the way back, so we went there and imbibed. We 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 had our we had our, our our beers there, and then of course we load up with fifty pounds of beer on our uh, on our backs, and we have to ride the bikes back now. And yeah. now we're noticing that it's all subtly uphill, and subtly uphill does not seem like a big deal until you're doing it with a fifty pound pack and some Belgian beer in your stomach. Yeah, with a buzz. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And all that compressed meat stretching your belly out. But dude, it, it, it was a beautiful thing, man. I, and I mean, that was that was obviously like the, the biggest. You know, I, I've, I've traveled around a, a, a little bit on the beer scene here in the U.S., but that was my one that was my one thing over over in Belgium. Have you have you done any like international travel uh, for beer? Uh, no, no, I have not. 
uh, that surprises me with you. No, I've I've had a few beers in uh, Mexico, but uh, they were all you know, <laughs> <laughs> like Takata. That's <laughs> the home of the Mexican lager, baby. Yeah, I mean, come on. So, yeah I'm well traveled. I'm an international <laughs> beer traveler. No, that's, I haven't. Uh, that surprises me that you haven't been over to Germany yet. No, uh, part uh, I had a, a a semi kind of agreement with uh, my previous employer. Should mm-hmm. I ever win? Uh, the big deal at the GABF that they would pay sure. for a trip to, to Belgium. That never came to fruition. Uh, that's I mean, as close you, as I got. You went, you, you won a, a lot of big deals though. None, none of the big deals were big enough. No, apparently not. <laughs> the, the, the biggest one you could get wasn't, wasn't good enough. No. I mean, you, you won I mean, brew pub and, and Brewmaster of the year. That was 2014, 14, 2014, 14. Yeah. And that, and that doesn't that doesn't get the uh, that no. doesn't get the huh? Well, no. aim higher, and, and that you know and that's fine. Aim- you know, whatever, <laughs> sure, sure. I mean, well, I mean, I could have done it myself. It's not like you know you sure. have everybody else to do it sure. for. Sure. Um, but we, you know, we had young kids at the time too, and even now, we, you know, we've we've discussed uh, going over there. I'd like to live over there for like three months at a time, just like a three month clip. Go to like Germany. Uh, right. I want to watch the snowfall. I want to see the Alps. I want to, you know, uh, that type of stuff. And then, you know, obviously come back and I want to do it in Belgium. I, I want to spend like months uh, in a place. I don't want to go. I want to have like some culture and, you know. I really don't. I, I don't think we've talked about this before, but dude, I, I I think you're absolutely correct. We've always, so my my mom, uh, my mom's side of the family is, uh, they're a bunch of Sicilians, like, like all Sicilians or whatever. I'm dying to get, oh, I'm not dying because I could have done it for like the last five years, but I haven't. I, I'm going to be curious to see uh, if I ever did like a 23andMe or genealogy thing or whatever, um, how how Italian I actually am because my mom's side of the family is, is, is firmly Italian Sicilian. And so there's always been that thought of, you know, going going to Italy, going to Rome or whatever. And sometimes it's like, I don't think, I don't think I want to go to Rome for a week and then go somewhere else. Like, I think I want to be there for a while. Like, yeah. because what I actually want to know is I want to know what it feels like living there. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I, I yeah. want to find a spot. Like, I, I want to find the spot that I like to have coffee at in the morning. I, li- exactly. I want to find, you know what I mean? Like, you Routine. actually want to, yeah. yes. Yeah, you actually Routine, want yeah. to be like part of the city, part of yeah. the culture, right? Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that, that's where like it's at. A lot of those, uh, kind, you know, France, like you'll get a, a baguette and some, some coffee, or you know, like find a good spot for some, sure. you know, prosciutto or you know, wherever, where, wherever, yeah. with, with all the the great uh, places of the, of Europe. So yeah, man, that's Europe. where it's at. So yeah, and, and I I'm not making as much as much German lager as I used to, but I would like to, you got to make the rounds and Germany is unique too, because I mean, they're, they're kind of, and, and I'm sure it's a little bit different now with distribution and things like that. I'm sure you can get a, a wider range of things, but they're still pretty niche, like depending on region there. Am I wrong? Do you think? Uh, I think you're right. I don't think you're wrong. I don't, yeah. obviously I, I'm, I don't know exactly. Like, I don't know how much the, uh, you know, the American scene has gotten over there and, you know, they're making, sure. you know, they've, they've uh, adjusted the run Heinzke vote, but uh, no, I think, it, you, st- you know, in Cologne, I think they're still doing that stuff. You still know, the, that, that beer over there they're doing. And still you know, I, I mean, thank goodness that I, I'm hoping that that never changes. Sure. And when I, you know, when I can bring my kids, kids, 
over there and be like, this has been going on for ages. You know, I hope that it doesn't change. So now you've made you've made calls for for a while. Uh, am I wrong, or was it? Or were you uh, making it before, or was it just at Redwood? I had made it a few times before, uh, uh-huh. but not. I mean, it's a menu beer now. So sure. uh, before when I was doing it, it was um, I wouldn't get like a, a, a special yeast. I would just. I at that time I was using like Double O One from uh, White Labs, or I don't know what is American Ale Strain or whatnot. Chico, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's just pretty much anything that has, you know, zero flavor, blah, blah, blah. That's kind of what I thought it was. When I got the Redwood, I decided, you know, all German grain. I got uh, Weirman grain. Um, you know, I've used German hops throughout my career. I don't, yep. you know, I'm not an IPA a brewer, so I don't go sure. into those crazy things. I go, you know, that stuff. And I don't get um, American hops, and, you know, I don't do that. It's all sure. It's all, it's all German hop. Yep. <clears throat> so, um, and I would it would get the, uh, the Kolschrein, 2565 is what I use from... Uh, okay. I think it's 2565 from uh, a Y yeast. Okay. Uh, and that strain has, um, it has flavor. Like sure. it's a distinct flavor with that uh, strain. So I have made it now for a little close to three years now at, uh, at Redwood. Okay. Specifically as a, what I think a Kolsch should be the way. Yeah. yeah. Belgians, you know, any German beer or sure. any, any style of beer. Sure. So, Sometimes people will say with with that cold strain that you might be able to pull like a like a light ester off of that. Like I, I've heard sometimes maybe like a light cherry note or something like that. Does that sound mm. right to you? What does what what's the difference between brewing that beer with Chico as opposed to cold strain? Uh, the 001 of the Chico strain is that yep. what it yep. is? Um, uh, no flavor, no sure. no attributes via via yeast. So. Uh, the 2565 does give a little bit of like white, uh, the white fleshy fruit thing, like maybe a little pear, okay. maybe a touch of apple. I didn't get any cherry. Uh, okay. Right. Um, I ferment uh, at like 67. Okay. Right. So, and then my thing, my, my glycol kicks on at 68 and then it'll yep. drop at the 66. So it, you know, within that two degree sure. uh, range and, um, yeah, I mean it, it's it has so flavor. You, okay, so you pull and, and I like <sighs> that descriptor a lot. I, I like using that descriptor of of uh, of white fruit. You know, what I mean, whether it be pear or apple, I, I think yeah. that's a I, I think that's a really solid one. You know, something that's kind of also I don't know what, what's another beer. Belgian Golden Strong is another beer sure. that can have some of that white fruit character to it as well. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that, the, when you get into the Belgians, they're yeah, I guess they're, they're yeast derived. Um, I get more of a different flavor off of the um, the Belgian strains than I do the Kolsch strain. I mean, obviously, sure. the different different beers. No, I mean, I not, you different. obviously wouldn't have the phenols or anything like that. Right, that you would have with with the Belgian strain. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that's cool, and, and you're going a little bit. You're going a little bit on the higher side with that because I've run that cold strain. I've run it mm-hmm. both at the temperature you're talking about, and I've run it colder too because it kind of falls into that into that hybrid range, right? Yeah. Because yeah, I yeah. think because I think it's it's that and the alt strain that they sell that will fall under that that ale slash lager hybrid range, um, where you can be pitching them essentially a, a, a warm lager ferment like a like in the mm-hmm. high 50s um or or you can even handle some some ale temperature with them as well well those strains are, are the the alt and the um and the kolsch are the same strain 
Okay. I mean, you know, uh, to me, the 2565 is for both of those beers, in sure. my opinion. Um, sure. And I'm, I'd have to look at my thing. I think uh, Jeremy, a brewer that I know in Michigan who has won um, from um, Royal Oak Brewery. Yep. He won gold in the Kolsch category, and he's won either World Beer Cup or a GBF for the Alt. And, you know, we have communicated extensively about that beer and gone through recipes and fermentation temps and stuff. And I have to look to see exactly what it is. But, um, and I get yeast from him uh, whenever I'm brewing that beer and I don't have it. And he, you know, has it available, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's the same strain. So you can brew those. Those two beers are synonymous. I mean, they're, oddly enough, they are super similar beers. Sure. From yeah, fermentation I mean, pro, uh, profile? Fermentation profiles, yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. The, the alt is just fermented a, a touch higher, like okay, maybe 68, 70. I might do my, my cold shit maybe 64. I'd have to look, but it's 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 not 70, whatever. Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I believe that it's like 60. I believe I put it at 67. I, okay, for sure. And I think I put the alt at 68, 69. So you, you're making an alt as well. That's pretty cool. Well, not on, I have, I, and I do, it's one of the things that I'll do, you know, on an annual basis, uh, it's not a menu sure. beer. Um, so I'm not doing it all the time. The Kolsch is, but, uh, the alt is something that I have done uh, at Redwood, um, on a, uh, an annual basis. Sure. Now, how many, uh, how many ballpark, how many barrels a year, uh, do you, do you guys do over there? Uh, just a couple hundred really. We're, okay. we're not, we're not blowing the doors up. Sure. Um, I wish we were. I'd like to. Well, but more. I mean, but you're you're a pub as well, too, right? Like yeah. it's not like you know, it's not like you're you're doing distro as well. You know what I mean? Because that that obviously that obviously right. changes things. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. Which I'm glad about. I'd rather I'm a I'm the pub brewer. I can do yeah. that day and night. You know, I mean, and you know that deal. That's yeah. a that's a sweet gig. Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> You can see if if you're watching the video, you you may have seen my head like drift off to the side, (laughs) smiling, thinking about it. But, you know, but I mean, that is that that is the dream, right? Like Gerds Gerds would always say, like, you know, the the dream is like and he would he would always call like a like like a retirement type brewery where, uh, you know, it's 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 a few hundred barrels a year. You come in, you know, you do your work. But you're able to take your time. You're able to do the little things. You know, you're never having to rush a beer. You know, right. you, you don't have to have a beer out of a bright tank at a certain time. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you because you because yep. you have to fill 500 cases off of it or something like right. that. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I do. Yeah, my yeah. my previous uh, job was that way. There was a lot of, you know, we we made we made more, um, and making Belgians at that time was tough because Belgians got to sit. Sure. You know, they, they have to lager pretty much just like a, like a, like a German lager. I mean, that there is a definite flavor profile curve with a, um, with a, with a high alcohol Belgian given time. So when, when you're talking about that, that lagering or that aging process on these, on those Belgian beers, is that, is that pre, is that pre carbonation? Because I do know you do some, you, you do some uh, natural carbonation for, you know, a bottle, uh, bottle carbonation. Um, is that, does that come, well, what, where does that lagering come in with those beers? Is that pre-carbonation? Uh, either post? one. Okay. Either one. I mean, either one. I noticed that the, the last place I was at, um, 
I just learned that if I just, you know, lager them longer, they were, they just tasted better. And, and at Redwood, uh, because of having to put things on tap, um, I have, no, I'd put them on and they would just be a little bit like, they would almost, almost taste bitter, like a, the triple okay. that yeah, they yeah. Want. It would almost be like, like bitter. I'm like, Oh damn. Like, you know, that's, that isn't going to work. Sure. Uh, and then over the course of time, uh, when it's carbonated and everything, and I'd pull them out of the, the cooler and, and taste them for competition and be like, okay, that that's better. Uh, and then sure. I know the three months down the line, you know, it's going in the right direction and it doesn't taste like it did. Sure. And even the stuff on tap that I had put in a, in a keg, you know, the keg it off or if I'd have it in a tank or whatever the case may be, time would, uh, it would round it out a touch. Oh, absolutely. Make it softer around, like, especially like the, a, a triple, uh, it's not supposed to be bitter. I mean, it's got a, a bitterness to uphold the sweetness, sure. but sure. Um, you know, it can't be like harsh in any way. You know, it's got to be soft and and rounded. And, yeah, um, yeah. It, over the course of time, it did. So it didn't matter if it was uh, still or not. Okay. So, do you feel as if uh, so? Two things. Uh, what kind of temperature are you talking about? That happening at is it at room temp? Is it at cooler temperatures? Is it below that? Uh, and then the other thing is, what is that? What is that sweet spot where you feel like those beers really start pulling together, as far as time wise? Um, it would be at cold temps. Lager them at cold temps. I don't yeah. like lager in a warm temp type sure. of thing. I mean, once they go cold, you know, I'll bottle condition some of them sometimes for yep. either competition or whatnot. Sure. And those get carbonated and then in the cooler and then yep. they just sit yes so yeah so cold temp is the, sure. is the way to go yeah I, I don't i don't trust warm temp yep um and then what was the other question <laughs> how long like what's that window like when oh, do you, do you expect spot? it to be one month two months six months do, do you feel like they they kind of dependably start coming together at a certain within a certain window i'd say uh for uh, your higher gravity beers uh, i'd say six months sure like the sure. sweet spot is like, like, okay, this is yeah. pretty good. This is what and, I want. And, and when you say higher gravity, what, 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 what is that? What's that ABV range in your head? Um, anywhere between eight and 11, eight mm -hmm. and up. Right. Like I do a double that's, yeah. um, that's seven, it's like seven and a half. Mm -hmm. That's what I do. It's, it's 7.4 to 7.6, depending on, you know, whatever. Um, and that one too will, uh, benefit from, from age. Sure. Um, but I know that a triple and a quad, which I have, have done, um, they, they definitely benefit from those, those longer periods. Uh, and you know, obviously the longer they go, you know, you can go a year, year and a half and they're still sure. just, just, you know, wonderful. They're beautiful. You know, I had a, I had a dark strong that it was the, the last beer that I brewed at home. Because what I was doing was, and and this is when we met when I was doing this. So we met at the Michigan Homebrewers Festival, and that coordinate that coincided with the what was at the time the Michigan Beer Cup. And I don't know if that competition is still going on. It was a really big comp. They'd get eight nine hundred entries in it. And I had a booth there for I was representing the brewing network as my as my homebrew club because that was all the the stuff that I listened to and whatnot. And I think I probably had 35 beers in that competition. And then uh, I essentially was able to have a booth by myself there because I think I poured 
five or six corny kegs, five to seven corny kegs, and probably 250 bottles of beer uh, at that festival. <laughs> wow. Really? <laughs> because I emptied, I, I emptied the cellar. Because that's, oh, nice. I, 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 I only brewed, I only brewed for competition. Really, once I got, like, once I got going, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to destroy everybody and try to win everything, right? Once yeah. I was firmly in that crazy place, that's yeah. the only brewing I did. And so, like, I rarely brewed to have, like, beers for friends or for myself. And so, um, uh, I, I forgot exactly why I was, why I was telling you this. Um, but, yeah. You wanted to take over the the world with your well, no, but th there was there there was that, um, but oh, that was we we, we met, um, we 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 met at that, and we were yeah, yeah. Uh, we we have pictures of us uh, yeah. in, in in our youth, it, uh, just emanating the freshness, the yeah. vitality of youth. Just tell yeah, uh, the two of us back in the day, a but, few more uh, pounds, a little less gray. <laughs> I know for me anyway. Yeah, it me blister, too. It was a blistering day that day. It was like ninety some degrees. Yeah, it was. It was. It was really hot, man. It was really yeah. hot. But yeah. um, but yeah, I for I forgot exactly why why I was going there with that. But, I do remember uh, that day though, uh, trying to convince you to uh, go into professional uh, brewing. Yeah, man. That? That, I can't tell you how much that meant to me. And and there's literally somebody that took a picture of us while we were having a conversation and it was you drinking my Munich Hellas and you're holding the glass and pointing to it and talking to me. And right. that's, that's literally when you were telling me, um, you got to do your homework. Yes. Like you gotta, you gotta do more than this. This is, this is horrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was, it was right before you slapped me about the face with no, your like gloves. It was before you, the you you, the, you, you, you degloved and then smacked me about the <laughs> uh, about the upper body uh, with, with with your gloves, but no man, and that was that was so big for me, you know, because you know obviously, and I mean, and I don't know about you, but I but I remember you know when I was at that stage, you know, talking to a pro, having them drink your beer and like it, that was that was the I mean there it it couldn't have been better. I remember. I was I was helping out Gerds down at well he was helping me out when I was coming down to Ann Arbor um, in order to get some pro side experience right and we had right. never met or anything before and I'm going down there and he was always nice to me but it wasn't until like I think the second time I came down there I brought some I brought some beers and I brought I brought I brought a really nice pale ale and it was it was actually for those somebody just mentioned homebrewers in the chat. It was, it was, uh, I think it was the tasty pale ale, Mike McDowell's pale ale recipe from mm. back in the day. And that was, it, Mike was doing really cool things back then because he was really plugged into the California brewer scene and he was doing stuff at home that was legitimately affecting because he was so, he was so tight with other pros. He was doing really cool stuff. And so he started doing a lot of the, like session, the early session IPA stuff, he was very much tied in on. And so this, this, I had this version of his pale ale, which was very hot forward, not so much bitterness, but big flavor and aroma. And it was really yeah. right. It was a nice little beer, man. You could crush it. It was well balanced. A lot of times those hoppier beers, when they're smaller ABV, they get real thin and bitter. 
you know, like yeah. like let hop water or something, but this was well sure. balanced. And I brought that beer in and I poured it for Bill and I'm like, hey man, yeah, so this is my pale ale. And he started drinking it and they started drinking a little bit. He started asking me a few questions and he goes, damn man, this is good. And then that that really changed like the tenor of our relationship. You know what I sure. mean? Not that yeah. he was, not that he treated me better because I made a beer that he liked, but it was just like, I think if anything, it was probably more of a confidence booster for me just to be more myself around him. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. But, um, and he's a formidable guy. If you have first made him, he's a, he's oh, like a tank. Oh yeah. I mean, he's he got, he's, at he's got shoulders. You can't see here. If, if I, if yeah. I do, he's got these monster shoulders. He's dressed like he, he's dressed like, uh, like this guy from a long time ago that will skateboard up and maybe beat you up and take your steal the wallet off your chain. Steal your girlfriend from yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> and that too. Yeah, man. He 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 cut the figure, but he he's he's a soft one. I feel like I have a collection of brewer friends that are potentially a little bit imposing, but also a little bit soft on the inside. But uh but anyway, one of them. He is yeah, he is he is. But yeah, man, so I wanted to ask you something about that beer right there, that Mexican lager that you're drinking. You did something interesting with that. You used a product that I have not used that is uh, designed to help with foam stability. Can you speak on that at all? Uh, Biofoam K, I believe it is. Okay. Um, got it through a brewer supply group. Yep. And um, from what I understand, it is like an algae-based, you know, like the that kind of thing, because you can use you know, all sorts of different stuff, but, sure. um, that's what I used. Uh, and I dosed it, I think a little too high. I think I put 90, 90 grams per like 10 or 12 barrels or something like that. And I think that's a little bit on the higher side. And I was a little bit worried about it, but I wanted to like, oh, what, cause I was discussing this with you. I want to be able to drop a lime in there and still have a head. Sure. On the beer. Sure. Um, and I mean, there's, it's, I mean, there, we've got two limes in there and it's, a, it's been sitting sure. for a bit, but, but there's still a little bit of, it's still there. I mean, there's, you know, absolutely. Touch. And you had, I, I was actually thinking about digging up uh, some of the pictures. Cause I know I can actually throw them up on the live video, but I, I, I didn't have time to, but I, it, it, it's impressive. Um, it is something that I actually have to, to mess around with a little bit because the foam that you had on that beer from those early pictures, first of all, I love that you had it in a stain. Just that, uh, is that your your wife's glass? That because yeah, I know you're, yeah. you're out of the boot, dude. Those there, and I'm not like a huge glassware nerd, but I think there's certain beers that are just they just look so darn good out of certain glasses, yeah. you know. And uh, the the stange is is typically a Kolsch is typically a Kolsch glass, correct? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. It's, it's the only one that is. I mean, sure. And is that essentially like, is it like a, just like a borderline kind of Tom Collins glass or am yeah. I being crazy? No, and just, just a, just a straight it's, wall, narrow. It's essentially the same thing. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. But, but, it, but it shows name. off, it shows off the clarity. It shows off how pale it is. Yeah. And then you have like this, you had this fat, like kind of like gauzy head on top of that <laughs> thing. And, and the one time, the, the one time, like the, the line was even like floating on it. Right. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I yeah. took a, a couple of pictures of Sam Jet. I'd, I'd squeeze the juicer and throw it in there, and I'd even wait, and it would be, um, it would look like that. And yeah. there'd be a lime underneath it. Oh. Bob it in there. You, know. <laughs> look, you, can, you can put it in there. 
like there's a there's a lime at the bottom but it's not killing the foam it's not doing it's laughing yes foam, I, don't know, you, I don't know if you can hear it or not but it's actually laughing <laughs> no the audio is super good i can hear it yeah okay. uh, <laughs> but you know that that is i, I that, that is an interesting thing because we spent a lot of time but before before you brewed this beer just kind of kicking around you know like what what are the goals that we want to make when we're making a light lager like this you know kind of, you know what are we shooting for and you mentioned kind of that concern of well geez with 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 using rice or using corn using an adjunct you're going to be limiting some of those foam positive proteins from getting into your beer by not having an all malt beer and it's not going to hold a foam stand in the same way now and and what i told you was i'm like but you know it's also not expected yeah right but it's up it's not bad to have it on it either now would you would you use would you use that product again uh i have i've used it in a couple different things just to see um just to see i mean i yeah i would and i do uh not all the time but uh um on the Belgians, I don't because I don't think it needs it for whatever reason. I don't know if it's a yeast thing. Sure. Uh, plus, and they're also not, uh, I don't filter the Belgian. So for some reason, I just think that the head retention is better. So you're waiting, you're, you're, you're lagering out the, uh, those beers for clarity. That's what you're doing. Well, uh, well for, or do you just feel as if they the process, drop? But I, well, both. Okay. both, but I also, I also feel, I have a plate and frame filter. So I do filter the, those uh, beers, I know you you don't have a filter. I do not know. So I don't I don't have that uh, issue with lagering for clarity. Sure. Um, uh, I use twenty two hundred six for standard lagers. Yep. That's that's would be my house lager strain, and I think that that drops pretty good. Um, sure. If it's a really dark lager, if I'm doing like a Munich Dunk or something, I I won't uh, I won't filter that because I filter I believe does take some flavor off of it, but like. For a Hellas or for, you know, um, a, a Brock beer or for something like that, where, you know, crystal clarity is part of the part of the game. Yeah. Um, I definitely uh, filter. Now, are you a I, I, I'll tell you this, and I've had beers that get really nice and clear. And but when you send me pictures of filtered beer, pale filtered beer, it is. It makes me want to filter, man. Yeah. It's, it looks so damn good. I agree. It looks so yeah. damn good. It does. It looks nice. Yeah. 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 There's something that a filter does that uh, those uh, clarity, not clarity firm, but uh, biofine. Bio, bio, thank you. Biofine. And I used to use biofine, uh, silica gel, things like that. Yeah. And they take it to a point. Um, I mean, they can, they can take you all the way there, depending on you know what you sure. want. Because sure. um, I, I use them for for years and years. Silica gel I, I liked a lot. Bio, biofine um, was easier. Yep. Because you didn't have to mix anything, yep. uh, and that worked well too. Um, but to me, those are like band aid uh, type of things. When I did a um, my last Oktoberfest, my my filtration was not all that fantastic on my Oktoberfest, so I added uh, biofine into the bright as I was filtering. And then wait a day or two, and then that turned out just crystal clear. Sure. So I sure. use them that way, but um, I mean they do work. Yeah. And they don't take they don't take flavor out of a beer either. So they're you know it's a give and take situation. Sure, and and I think that might be a little bit style dependent. 
I feel like you mentioned like maybe you feel as if like it shaves a little bit off of like a dunkle or something like that. Um, but uh, I think that it can, I, I think it can, it can potentially pull flavor from IPA. But I, I think at the same time though, like, I don't know, especially if we're talking about lagers, about yellow beers and little amber beers yeah. and those traditional those traditional German beers, I, I don't think you. I don't think it's you're in too much of a danger of pulling too much character out of them. You know I agree. What I mean? Yeah, yeah, and it also depends on. I have a plate and frame, so it's a cellulose sheet. So, you know, they're they can either be uh, you know three to five micron or yep. ten to fifteen. You know what I mean? So they can sure. Uh, the more the tighter you you filter, the more you're going to take things out too. So. Sure. There's also that fine line where if you uh, if you what, must filter. What micron sheet do you do you like to use? Uh, for the really like that one, um, it was like a one to three, I think, mm-hmm. or two to four, something like really low. Sure. Um, but like for a Hellas, I'd use like a three to five. Yeah. I forget what they are because there's like HS and there's K, the seats K. Sure. I think that was like a K80 or K90 or something like that. Um, and I think for like a Hellas or whatever, I'd use a, a hundred, the one hundred series. Yep. Yeah. Uh, which is, I mean, and they're they overlap. It's not like it's they build on top of each sure. other. Where you know, sure. there, there's a lot of overlap. So it's kind of you know hit or miss. Really. Now I I used a plate and frame early in my career, and I didn't know I I didn't know much about it. And Gerds and I used it when he worked with me, and we would we would push with CO two head pressure. Um, do you push yeah. with CO two when, when you do, yeah. when you do that? Now my yep. question is my questions with this is my biggest concern with doing things on the cold side is always sanitation and always oxygen ingress, right? Yep. So sure. how how do you handle that filter um, in order to one get it sanitized? Do do you go chemical? Do you go heat? Um, and then kind of, kind of what are your steps as far as trying to minimize things like O2 ingress? What, what's that process with you? Uh, well, they're, they're plastic, um, frames, plates, whatever you want to call them. Um, so the day that I'm going to filter, I will, you know, obviously I'm cleaning while I'm cleaning a tank, I'll, um, heavily caustic with a a brush. I mean, it's kind of rudimentary, really. It is scrub, scrub, blah, blah, blah. Yep. Uh, with with caustic, and then when I'm on a sanitation cycle, uh, I use parasitic acid. So I'll, yep. um, you know, do a caustic and an acid, and then on the on the sanitizer side, I'll, you know, everything is clean. I put my uh, filter sheets in there, crank it down, and then um, sanitize the sheets, okay. if you will, sure. and then a purge tank, pull beer through, I put it in the in the tank, and um, and then carbonate as soon as possible. Sure. <clears throat> Just sure. for any, you know, in case there's anything going on. But I mean, it's really that's the only thing you can do with them. I don't know anything else you can do with them. Sure. I know. I do know. I think some people that will try to use like, uh, you know, like HLT water to to kind of like oh. burn it out or something like that. Yeah. I, I wasn't. I wasn't sure. So when, no. but then again, like I feel like when I was doing it, I was really bad, and I felt like I, I had like these all day long filters, and it was terrible. Um, but then again, I was also trying to filter what at the time was an aggressively dry hopped IPA. I was trying to 
filter a two pound per barrel dry mm. hops beer. And it was a mess, you know, yeah. trying to do that. So when you're going through that, like, what do you, what do you find? So how much head pressure would you have on the fermentation vessel that is sending unfiltered <clears throat> beer to the filter? Uh, I started usually about, let's, let's say seven to 10. Okay. Just to, just to push it through. And then out as high as the tank will take. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when it starts going, because it does collect yeast, even when they've uh, sure. you know, been lagering for a while, it, it's just a, sure. it's just a matter of fact that that's what's going to happen. So, um, so yeah, I mean, as high as the, you know, tanks are rated for 15. So I'll get it to 15 and sometimes, you know, the PRV is just, just hissing. Sure. And sometimes it takes, uh, you know, if you've got a 15 barrel batch, the last uh, few barrels that go in there take an hour, uh, sure. when the first three quarters took 20 minutes, sure. um, when it's gotten stuck and I know that I just don't have anything I have in the past, um, shut everything off open it, drop new sheets in and let it rip again. Sure. Sure. I, they're not sanitized or, you know, I mean, cause you can't at that time you have to, you have to do what you have to do. Yeah. Um, and, and that's work too. I haven't had an issue with that. I mean, sure. It's not what I want to do, but if it's sure. taking me six hours, uh, <laughs> per barrel, uh, I got, I got to go. You got to <laughs> make a move. Yeah. 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 I mean, you got to, you know, you could be there all day and get like a pint of beer per 45 minutes. That's, that's not acceptable. Sure. So like, yeah. so say for something like that light lager, not that you need the exact time, but you moved, you filtered 15 barrels of it, correct? Yeah. And kind of ballpark on what, what that probably took to, to get through your filter. That one was pretty easy because I, I dropped the yeast out a lot and it had a decent amount of lagering time. And uh, when I put the arm down, it didn't, you know, grab anything um, that I saw go through the, the sure. psych glass. And, you know, um, that probably took like 45 minutes. Nice. Something Man. like that. I mean, it was it was actually very fast. It made me sure. wonder uh, about light, lighter <laughs> alcohol. You know what I mean? Like those kind sure. of beers. Sure. You know, every, it was different. I, I hadn't brewed uh, something like that, but, you know, 25% corn. Uh, ever sure. uh, and it was just the the yeast counts were fantastic at the end of it the filtration was easy uh it was just a really easy beer to make that's awesome yeah that's it was awesome. a good it was good experience you know i just listened to i, I didn't uh, listen to i i read there was one of the one of the breweries that was maybe this creature comforts that just won an award maybe a gold for american pilsner and no that would have been world beer cup maybe yeah and they're doing they're doing light lager but with a hundred percent uh a hundred percent uh all malt and okay. uh and it sounds like what they're doing is just starting with a with a with a lower starting gravity so taking it even lower and so that's how they're making that beer oh. light okay. and small is by yeah. just is by just knocking the OG down. Now I remember when he first started making uh, Cartucho, our Mexican lager. You know, putting a beer that was ten thirty nine. Uh, you know, in, in the fermenter, man. That that that's one that that one, yeah. one that have you sweating. I remember it's when alarming. we were talking about making that beer. I, I was like, Hey, man, listen those 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 final runnings. They're gonna make you sweat uh, yeah. visually when you see that stuff going into the kettle. Was uh, were those final runnings pretty darn pale? They looked like water. I would, 
I would have to let you know at certain points I would be taking uh, pH readings of that and also the you know the sparge water and everything. Sure. Um, and uh, yeah, they were alarming. It was just like, I mean, I probably took twenty readings in the last four barrels, you know, and, and I just kept you know throwing the hydrometer in there and I'd be like, oh, I got to take more work. This is crazy. <laughs> What's going on here? Uh, and, but everything, you know, it worked out. It was just, it was, it's a different experience because I'm used to making, you know. Oh yeah. Yeah, you know, my history is a more larger Belgian beer. So when I make sure. these, you know, ten thirty nine, like what the hell? I think I, mine was like ten thirty, ten thirty eight. I think was my start <laughs> starting gravity, which is and it's ridiculous. I mean, they're just they're so tiny. Yeah, everything is everything is so uh, is so minimal in there. Uh, Jamie Tripp, who's who's actually opening his own <laughs> spot soon, he is in the uh, he is in the chat. And he's asking uh, for, yeah, okay. uh, he said, uh, Rockney, I want your Mexican lager recipe for my new brewery. Also, if you or Adam have a favorite Oktoberfest style, I'm, he, he's opening up his brewery here soon. And so, Adam, kind of, what's that? Could you, give me, could you give me one minute? I'll go get that. And also, I have to uh, make room for more beer if that's okay. Absolutely, brother. Go for it. Okay. Thank you. Yep. We'll be right back. Hey, as we wait for Rock to join us again, thank you. Uh, thanks so much to everybody in the chat. Good to see everybody in there. We've got Sabrina in here, Human on Earth, Spoiled Brats. There was one thing that I wanted to point out for sure. Uh, the Spoiled Brats, Adam, thanks for not forgetting about us on brewers and making beer so approachable for all levels of brewing. I love uh, I, I love compliments like that, man. I, I like uh, I like trying to create a situation where both uh, pros and folks doing it on the homebrew side can pull some value out of it. So, um, so yeah, I, I really appreciate that. Uh, Rock, welcome back. Thank let's, you. Sorry uh, about that. No, you're good, man. Let, let's let's dive into that. Uh, let's dive into that Mexican lager recipe a little bit, and sure. then we can also. Uh, I can also talk uh, Oktoberfest briefly. Oh, look at you. If he wants to screenshot it right now or whatever, but I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll read it to you. I'll read it to you. Um, 
Yeah. So, uh, Jamie, the uh, recipe, uh, the, the, the grist is uh, at 72% Pilsner, uh, 20% corn, uh, flaked corn, mm-hmm. uh, 7% uh, carafoam. So 70, you know, with a little bit of 73%, 20%, 7%. Yeah. So what's your thoughts with that carafoam? Uh, I couldn't taste it, which is good. Um, sure. I know I've listened to a couple Oh, and that's of, a reasonable uh, volume. It's not like you're at like, you know, 50% yeah. or something like that. You know, that's yeah. totally within range. And all those are, the, the grains all, uh, the vitamin, obviously the corn is not, but uh, Brees' um what is there? They're carapels. Yep. Uh, I, I can taste that a mile away. I don't have any idea why. Um, and I don't use American grain anyway. So, sure. um, so that's why I put it there, but uh, the care foam uh, I like, and again, it was the same concept before that we had talked about uh, during the creation of this uh, recipe was um, uh, for head retention. Cause sure. there's no, I, no wheat. So care foam. Sure. Uh, and then, yeah, the, uh, the biofoam, I had, yeah, ninety grams of biofoam. Sure. Uh, what were you What were you mashing that beer at? Uh, that one was at one. I'm sorry. I accept your apology. Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> one forty-eight. One forty-eight. So nice on that. So nice on the low side. So you should be you should be generating more short chain, easy easily fermentable sugars in that lower mash temp range so you should be able to dry it out a little bit i like that yeah. that makes a lot of sense um and then you said i think you mentioned before about seven ibu in that beer is that yes. is that all at 60 uh it came out to eight sorry way off uh yeah it wow is. yeah sorry <laughs> don't listen to anything i say we thought we um, were getting the real deal from you here rock yeah. and that's <laughs> uh yeah it's eight eight ibu um, and all from Magnum, German Magnum. Magnum. Yeah, yeah. Which is a it's a good clean bettering hop. Yeah, that's just the that's just the the straight real thing right there, man. Yeah. Um, and then what did you uh you said I'm assuming you used your your house lager strain on that? Uh, yes, I did. Let me see. Yeah, twenty two oh six. 2206. 2206. And did you go? Did you go cold? Real, real cold with that? Did you start warmer? What, what was your fermentation profile looking like? Uh, I pitch at uh, fermentation temp, or at least I try to. I don't let it go and then drop it down. Sure. Uh, for anything, so uh, it went into the fermenter at. Uh, Thanks, Sabrina. It went into the fermenter at 58. Um, within the next day, I set it to 49. So it fermented at 49. Okay. Um, and then fermented there for, uh, uh, eight days, nine, um, 10 days. And then I set it to, to 63, which for me would be at 62 on my stuff. Nice. So in, in 10 days, it was, uh, in 10 days, it was at 10, 12. And then it went, um, five, six days later, it was at, uh, one double Oh five. Yeah, baby. Nice and nice and, uh, nice and dry. Yeah, I love it. I yeah. love it. It was uh, nice. I mean, it, I I'm, I have to make it again, except I'll use rice this time. I'll do the. Uh, yeah, that's kind of what we, we. That's kind of what we were talking <clears throat> about, right? Because I mm-hmm. I don't know. Like in my mind, 
like my hunch is that the beer may drink drier with the rice. I could I be wrong. So I feel yeah. like I feel like there is a perception of sweetness that can come from corn. Yeah. And, and listen, we're, we're we're not talking about we're not talking about right or wrong here. We're just talking about what what I think maybe the ingredients do, right? Yeah. I feel like when I've when I've done lagers with corn in it, I feel as if there is a sweetness that is not necessarily dependent on residual sugar. I think it's an it's a sweet flavor um, that plays in there um, because sometimes you can have a dry beer that drinks sweet. You know what I mean? It's sure. not always completely related to. There can be some sweet flavors that help to prop that stuff up. Um, yeah. I did. We, we had been talking uh, about foam stand and different things like that. I did want to make one note, and I don't think you'll be able to see uh, this this beer that I was drinking before. Um, uh oh, uh, did I there. did I make yep. it? Okay, you're good. So you can see that I still have now. I, I've been done drinking this for for a while, but I still have foam that dried and stuck to the top of this glass. That's the first beer that I spunned it. Ooh. Um and spooned, spooned. spooned it. <laughs> spooned it. You spooned it. You're not spunding anything. <laughs> which actually makes me which actually brings me to a, another question, but I do want to go back to the spooning. Yeah. Um when I say double, do you feel I like I sound like a hillbilly? Like a Belgian? Yes. No, I say them both. I, no, I'm tired of saying double now because I sound like a douche. So I'm like, it's a double. <laughs> you know. So, so wait, no, I, wait. Well, this was this was the thing, and it was something that I, I think came up on on another live stream or something like that. But like, listen. So if you're going to pronounce all the words with the appropriate accent, we shouldn't say word. We should say vert. Right. And I don't know. I, I don't right. think I could bring myself to say vert. But do you say um, wart? I say I, I say I think I say it more like W E R T. Yeah. When I pronounce it, I say wart. I believe that's acceptable. As a, as opposed to wart. Yeah, wart. Like that's. I've got this wart. Yeah, I got like, a wart. No, that's like, a wart. <laughs> I don't know. It hits me weird. That's not it. But when you but when you start saying it was actually it was a, an old Brewing Network thing. I remember the the host of the Brewing Network podcast was saying at one point he says you can't just go ahead and say that if you're American, like it, it doesn't it just doesn't work out. Leave that to the actual Germans to say. Oh, I'm making the vert. Sweet vert. So, only the sweetest. <laughs> the yeah, well, you can sure. I do say spooning because I know that it's uh, it's one of your favorite thing <laughs> it is but back to a spunding spoonding what have you i will say that i per and now this is this is anecdotal but um i have not had foam like that i've gotten off of this beer than i have in any other beer that i've made um, from the, the spooning, the yes, spunding, yes. spooning beer. One hundred, one hundred percent. And now for me, I, I ended up, I, I ended up sealing that tank up uh, at like one, one and a half Play-Doh left. The beer actually didn't finish as far as dry as I thought it would. So okay. um, I didn't get, I, I didn't have it sealed for as long as I thought. But dude, I, I'll tell you, it 
I, I think it made a real difference. One, I, I've used Petra hop oil, which right. is a beneficial tool in the brewery. If you have a beer that you need to nudge the bitterness up on, you can do that going into the bright with Tetra Hop Oil. And it's foam positive. But I'll say this. The bubbles are bigger and they look soapier. Okay. Uh, like, but, but I'm talking about like the size of the bubbles, yeah, right? I know exactly what, what you mean. What, what, I, what I had with this beer, when I pour this beer on draft, the surface of the beer, it doesn't look like, it doesn't look like, um, like nitro, but you know, like just a flat, you know what I mean? Flat sure. thing, but, but yeah, yeah. The, the quality of the foam is far different and the head retention is far different. So it, it just, it just is what it is. Uh, Jamie, uh, rock brews at Redwood, uh, Redwood steakhouse and brewery. <laughs> and that is in, that is in Flint, correct? That is yes. Flint, Michigan. Yeah. That's in Flint, and Jamie. I be, being a good being a good American, a guy that actually even used to uh, teach social studies, I have no concept of how far away Ontario is from uh, from Flint. So I'm going to say it's probably about three hours. So it's probably just a day trip. Yeah, it's not far at all. <laughs> is it? Is it well, not Ontario, far? Actually? I don't. I don't think it's all that far. I mean, once you cross in through, what you probably have to go through. Uh... I don't know, Jamie. Is it, is it easier to go through Sarnia in Michigan or uh, Detroit? Because <clears throat> if it's through Sarnia, which is the north, like this area, it's probably like two hours through that hour and a half. Oh, he said it's not too thing. far. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's not, not that far. far. But yeah, man. Oh. Um, so yeah, the the quality of foam thing on that spunding was it was it was an eye opener. Yeah. Um it, it it was an eye opener and 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 it makes me I don't know. I've got to try the and so you were saying it's it's biofoam K? Was that what it was? Yes, yeah. Yeah, and it, it's not cheap. Um, sure. But I sure. mean if you're throwing, you know, I don't think it'll be a problem for you if you're putting 15 uh boxes of fruit into a beer which is like <laughs> Well, those, are, dollars, I think you're th- those days, th- those days for well, because I mean, right now I- I'm only brewing uh, distro beers right now. I- okay. I'm I'm brewing an IPA, I'm brewing a fruit beer, and then I have some some specialty seasonal stuff coming up. But the only thing in our the the only thing in my tanks right now are those beers. I'm not doing any one off beers right now. I will be once I get over the hump. We're kind of in the middle of this this big push of, of hitting all of our pars for our distributors and things like that. So that stuff will be coming. But um, as of right now, we're, we're, we're battening down the hatches and, yeah. and, and turning, turning some of the same beers over and over again. So for sure. Pay the bills. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, what else did we want to get into here today? Uh, today, rock. Um, we talked light lager. Was there anything else light lager wise? Um, you're thinking that you might run it again with rice. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm very yeah. interested to see uh, how that how that works out for you. Yeah, I think next summer I'll I'll do the same exact thing, uh, just replace corn with rice because I did want that corn flavor, and I think that there is a flavor that sure. comes through sure. uh, with the corn. Um, I don't know if I'll call it Mexican lager though. I might call it like an Asian lager or something. I don't know. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Do, would you would you keep the same the the same uh, bitterness profile and everything? I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah, I would only yeah. just do the the rice just to see. Mm-hmm. Um, just you know, obviously for the differences. I mean, I, I drink the hell out of this at home. So yeah, 
do you it, do do you do an iodine test uh, after your mash? No. So to, to test conversion, I've only done it. I've only done it a handful of times. Um, what, are you familiar? Your, your mash conversion is like you what? You run. You go down the steps and walk up the steps and you start going. <laughs> I mean, you do like a thirty. I will say this: I've I've gone to a half hour rest now. I okay. do a half hour rest and then I have a twenty five minute research. Okay. What? Um, Okay, what was your rest before? Fifteen? Oh, dude, I mean, or no, you wouldn't even rest. Would you mash it in and then recirc and then go? I mash in and maybe five minutes later, I, I would do whatever I needed to do and then start. Rockstar, then start. Dude. Rockstar. <laughs> is that is that? Dang. <laughs> no, that's ballsy. Mine's an hour. Like it's an hour all the, every time, whether it's uh, <laughs> uh, you know twelve percent beer or uh, sure. or this one. Uh, it's one sure. hour. Um, now and I will. My research is forty minutes, so you're talking an hour, forty minutes plus time, so it's almost two hours. Sure. And so now I will. I, I will say this. So I'm going to be doing uh, a, a, a Belgian inspired beer coming up that I want to be on the that I'm targeting to be on the drier side, right? Sure. So um, I will probably go, and I'm probably going to go closer. I'm actually brewing this on Monday. I'm probably. I'm targeting like 147 uh, as my mass rest, and okay. I will probably I will probably rest that for an hour because I, yeah. I know those I, I know those uh, those reactions tend to happen slower at lower temperatures, right. and so and so yeah I, I will probably give that one some time. Yeah, yeah. I think you're but, safe with that. But that's the but that's the. Yeah, I mean the, the the other stuff that I'm doing, dude. It's it, it's so turn and burn. I mean, because really, by the time, like, I, I'll yeah. take I, I'll take a gravity reading off of like the first stuff on my research. Like as soon as I start pulling through my research arm, I pull that, and I've got the super majority of my sugar done. Okay. I mean, like if I if I'm expecting if if I'm expecting you know seventeen to to twenty Play-Doh or or whatever, um, uh, it, that's what I'm expecting. Yeah, I'm gonna have fifteen of it as soon as as soon as I'm as soon as I start researching. Right. It's wild. You know what I mean? Now this this has to do with you know the 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 grain I'm using. You know the especially these days when I'm not brewing German stuff. I'm using malt Europe pills, which is basically just like it's it's super it's super high, um, as all those American domestic malts are very very high in enzyme. Why are you smiling at me? Yeah. Why? <laughs> I was finger wagging. I was finger wagging because to me that's the interesting thing that I that I that I learned not too long ago. It's, well, it's, it's just all that passion, baby. Yeah, it is. But you know, but but the thing is, is that because these domestic malts, well, obviously grown here domestically, they're built for they're they're built for adjunct, right? Okay. So they're actually built to be brewing light lager, and so because rice and because corn is not bringing any enzyme to the table, they're they're growing these domestic malts. To a higher enzyme level, gotcha. to make yeah, yeah. up for to make up for the fact, and that that blew my mind. I, I I didn't learn that all that long ago, maybe within the last couple of years. Yeah, but that's that's really interesting to me, right? Yeah. And so our domestic malts are usually, if we go to our spec sheets, and especially comparing it to maybe like a Barca pills, which I love to use. 
My guess is, is that that diastatic power number, that DP number is going to be much higher on that domestic pills that I'm using than that continental pills that you that that you'd be using with something like a Barca. So do you think that um, all Europe is uh, supplying uh, like Budweiser and Coors and those like why would they be uh, manufacturing grain that has the need? They do. They just started supplying people our size. Small. They just, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They oh. they they supply all 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 big stuff. They supply macro. Oh, I did not know that. When I yeah. first got to Redwood, uh, my silo was filled, and I got a refill of with Malt Europe. Yep. I mean, since I've gone to Environment, which is sure, it's with a with a V Environment. Yeah, I say environment. <laughs> or now maybe yeah. I say wireman. I say wire. I, I feel silly when I say environment, but you know. I, I, I can whatever. I think I Weirman. catch myself saying both things. That that makes more sense to me. Because, again, vert is isn't gonna happen. Right. We'll have to but, agree to disagree. But, <laughs> but no, but but I, I think that um especially in those those ones that I'm those beers that I'm doing now with that with that really high diastatic power, man. You snap your fingers and that stuff's you get it you get it anywhere near sacrification range and it's just done. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Good to know. So yeah. anyways. But like I said, I'm really gonna be trying to squeeze everything I can out of out of this this it's it's a golden strong type beer. Golden strong. That that I'll be doing. So yeah, I'm gonna be mashing real low and what's what's the uh give me the a, a quick synopsis of it. What, golden types golden strong type. Well so what I mean you you're gonna love because this beer is gonna be adjuncted uh out the gills. So this is a beer really? that's gonna be oh yeah, this is gonna be a beer that is um this is a uh, specialty seasonal release that's limited, whatever. So I'm going to be fruiting it uh, as as a fall beer. There's going to be a little bit of cinnamon in there as well. Okay. Uh, so yeah. All right. So um, so yeah, and so really the idea is we're we're playing off some of that white fruit character that gotcha. you can pull. I think I'm running 37, 28. What what the hell it is? I forget. What the what the 3727 maybe? Maybe, yeah. 3726? It, I should I don't know. Something like mean. that. It's it's the it's the recommended one for Golden Strong. Sure. Um and uh and so I'm gonna be running that. Um really just um that one's gonna be that's just all pills with uh dextrose uh in the whirlpool. So I'm going to be using leveraging okay. dextrose to push up ABV with, uh, but it, it, to keep body low, and then I'm I'm looking to riff off some of the white the white fruit notes from the from the yeast strain and magnifying that with. We'll be using some real pear puree in there, okay. um, and I'll be using. We got some actually really beautiful. Uh, I forget what kind of cinnamon it was, but it wasn't powdered. It was like in small little pieces. Okay. Um, and, and it wasn't like the really papery Italian uh, cinnamon. Um, but dude, you opened, I opened it up today just to, I, I have two different packages. I opened it up. I'm like, dude, this stuff was like, it was beautiful. So the idea is, is um, obviously it is a uh, departure from tradition, but the idea being that, um, it's that kind of magnifying the white fruit in it, but also being kind of being a lighter fall beer. So it's lighter in color. Yeah. I mean, you know how easy Duval and all those beers are 
to drink with the with the low in color, low low in body, that yeah. sneaky ABV. But I'm looking to kind of prop up like maybe a little bit of like warming, like to make it a little more desserty, pairing up the 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 actual pear fruit with a little bit of cinnamon to kind of give it like a warmer fall type feel or cooler weather feel. And then coupling that with the higher ABV kind of fitting that in as a, as a fall seasonal. So, yeah. That's interesting. So yeah, we're going to, we're going to run that. That's one of those, that's one of those beers where I have more wiggle room uh, on the cost side and it makes it, it makes it easier. You know what I mean? There's, there's different parameters um, because you know when you're when you're putting out a volume of beers in 12 ounce cans, you've got to hit certain certain metrics, or you're all you're doing is advertising or losing money. Sure, you know what I mean. So uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't worry too much about your yeast strain if you're going to be adding all that stuff to it. You know what I mean? Sure. I mean 37 sure. 37 I think is what it is, isn't it? I it might be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think so. Um, yeah, I mean all that all that stuff will work well if you're going to get it. That's great. But I wouldn't uh, spend too much time if I were you uh, concentrating or worrying about fermentation uh, flavors sure you know because all the the belgian strains are subtlety but if cinnamon is a boomer uh, sure. and then the other thing like that um and, and i'm looking I, I am looking to go like and the goal is and i haven't had a chance to pilot this the goal is with the cinnamon is not to be like oh this is a cinnamon beer mm. you know what i mean the goal is yeah. to say oh i think there's a little cinnamon back there too Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's, I do, yeah, for sure. yeah, like really, like I, I would say like low, medium at the highest. Yeah. That's, that's my goal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you just want it to be. And the dream, the dream for me is, okay, so can I, if I pull some of the, uh, the spicy character out of that yeast, can I make it blend in just subtly with with that cinnamon a little bit to kind of make like almost like this i don't know th- this warm spice kind of thing you have know? you made a lot of belgians in the in your in your past no not at all not at no. all not i don't think you're going to get a whole i mean i just i don't think you're going to get a whole lot of uh, yeast character that's going to um contribute That'll contribute. It'll be be interesting, man. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be really interested to see, um, because I've done. I've done a couple back when I was at uh, Ye Old Crankers, and uh, in Big Rapids. The one of my favorite things that I did there. Not that I think the. Not that I think that the beers were exactly what I wanted them to be, because they're my first time really making Belgian beers, but. I did a uh, I did a double and a golden strong, and so you know the naming the, the naming trope for golden strongs is something spinning off the devil, right? With with Duval sure, and, yeah, yeah. and different things like that. So yeah, yeah. Um, I, I did a little research, and one of the things I like, so I took the I took the the double, um, and I'm like, okay, so if if the golden strong is gonna be na- like a devil theme name. So uh, I started doing some research on different names for uh, for God and for the devil. And this was a little bit more on the agrarian side. But for God, one of the names was Sustainer, which I liked. And so we it was we, we released them side by side. And so it was it was. Uh, oh, what, crap. It was Sustainer was the double. And then. Um, 
Shit, I'm gonna have to look it up hmm. for the for the. <laughs> yeah, that's when you had all the single single name beers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Shoot, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to. Uh, dece- it wasn't Deceiver. What the hell was it? Anyways, we'll figure it out. But yeah, so I, I've I've only done a a, a few. I, I've only done I, I've only done a few. Um, so. And and again, like you said, with, with with the fact that it's that it's spiced up and 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 fruited up, maybe that stuff will get maybe that stuff will get squashed. It, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, you'll it'll, you'll find it one way or another. Um, yeah, and I would think of uh, Belgian yeast fermentation as like you know, kinetic energy. If you start high mm-hmm. and you let that thing rip like a ball rolling down a hill, it'll ferment a lot out. If you want to keep some body in it, don't be afraid to to go low. Sure mid 60s is you'll be fine you know you know what i mean you know i I think it's interesting that you say that because i think there's i think there's this notion out there where it's like oh it's belgian strain you can do whatever you want with it you know what i mean or and 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 now and now and another thing like whether you talk about saison too or different things like that or and even like when people started using kvike strains or whatever and it's like um you know i fermented beers with no temperature control when i was working at this one place i had no temperature control uh and so i used kvike strains cool and yeah, oh and it was in plastic so i mean yeah. no problems yeah. <laughs> best beers of your life i'm sure but but you could you can actually get away with it with the, those kvike strains are yeah. those kvike strains are are interesting little critters now um just because you can do something doesn't mean you have to right, right? Um, and doesn't mean it's always the best way uh, to do it either. But uh, but yeah, so I don't know. So yeah, we've got that we've got that Belgian stuff going on, um, and then I'm gonna be doing a, we're gonna be doing a, a, a spiced beer, a, a, a pumpkin spice thing. Do you do the, Do you do a pumpkin pumpkin beer at your place? No, not not anymore. The last joint I used to, um, and that was you know a fun little thing. Uh, sure. I do. Do you do, do you do puree? Do you roast pumpkins? Do you use spice? No, I would put, uh, I would put, you know, pumpkin puree in there like this big giant ass cans of pumpkin, but they don't taste like anything. They taste like, like soil. I mean, they don't taste, you know, that's not pumpkin. (laughs) So, you know, you put it in there so you can say that it's in there and that's all fine and dandy. Um, it doesn't give any color, any flavor, anything like that, but you know, I, I cocoa powder, um, uh, cinnamon, um, and something else and something else. I don't, I don't really know. I used to do it because sure. it was neat and cool. But no, I don't do it now because right after, you know, Halloween, uh, it's over. So whatever sure. you haven't sold by then, sure. you're going to sit on or dump, really. Yeah. I mean, yeah. in a pub situation for me and my, my sure. history, sure. nobody wants a, a pumpkin beer in January because they know it was made four months ago, you know. Yeah, I was just talking to my buddy Steve up at, at Saucy. He's he's head brewer up there, and they were talking about when I think it was Great Lakes used to do Christmas. No, it wasn't. Was it Great Lakes Christmas ale? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, and and he was saying he remembers like where there is a period of time where it was a situation where if you saw a six pack, you just bought it because you didn't know if you were going to see a six pack of it. You huh. know what I mean? And then they made more. And then they made more, and then now there's Christmas ale like into into perpetuity, right? Um, and, and so I, I do think there's something to like, 
and, and I'm sure they're that, and, and maybe they're making a different choice with it. But I mean, I, ideally, you run out of that beer on the 24th. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I, ideally, ideally, like yeah. you know, I, ideally, your pumpkin beer is gone on Halloween or or, or something like, or shortly there before yeah. Thanksgiving for sure, yeah. or the week before. You know yeah. what I mean? Because that that's really your window for those pumpkin beers is you know October through uh, Thanksgiving, October, and then and then you're kind of toast. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's a slow go after that. You kind of just sit on them and go, oh, for sure. Do I dump it? Yeah. And then for cleaning sure. lines and all that jazz, but yeah, no, none, none for me. I don't do the, uh, I don't do those. Uh, I don't do a, a red beer for like uh, St. Patty's, like the stout. You know what I mean? Like sure. we have a stout on tap. I, I don't know. I, I, like I said, we only do a couple hundred barrels there a year. So if I make, you know, ten barrels of something, it's got to be something that can sell sure. all year round, or at least in a in a seasonal manner. Like I have a quad and a dark strong that I saved for winter. Do you, you're brewing on a 15 barrel system, correct? Yeah. Do you wish it was a seven? No. To have the to, to have more reps? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> no, no. I mean, because uh, I don't always max it out, you know. Anyway, sure. Uh, I'm not always like if, if it fits 15, I you know whatever. I don't do that. Yeah, yeah. What, what I would rather do is sell more beer and, and, and make more beer that way, not necessarily the repetition of it. Sure. Um, I have a three barrel little thingy that I can use, so I can always yeah, just three. Yeah, I got a little pilot, so I can yeah. I can always do that, uh, and I've done that I did it with a, a rock beer. Uh, the first uh, red wood, red with wood um, lager that I did, I did it in that alt. I do the alt in that. I, I, so I'll do beers in those sure. that I just want to have, you know, short turns on them. Yeah. Um, but do, you a, do you have a do you have a three barrel? Do you have a three barrel fermenter? Uh, I will. Do you have a three? Yeah, barrel three barrel fermenter. fermenter yeah. Oh, okay, sweet. So you have a you have a three barrel pilot system. No, no. I my I just have a three barrel fermenter. I have a. Oh, I see, I see, I see, I see, I see. So is that steam know, or direct fire? It's direct fire. Direct fire. How is it? Uh, how is it putting that little wort in that direct fire kettle? Uh, well, I'll probably put like uh, six barrels in it, maybe. I mean, it's a three barrel, right? So you know, it's fifteen sure. barrel tanks. You can fit eighteen, twenty barrels in it. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So you know, three barrel, I can put four maybe five of it you know it's real real tight so um i'll do almost twice that in the kettle and then by the time hop and all that jazz and transfer and uh, all that stuff um i mean i may toss a half a barrel or, or whatever or maybe a barrel depending on how it works out i mean it's tough when you go from you know 15 barrels and then you do you're trying to calculate to a three barrel. There's going to be, a, you're going to lose, you're going to waste uh work. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just, uh, just the way it's going to be. So Yeah. And we'll, we'll do split batches at our place too. So my, mine is steam. And so uh, sometimes I'll turn off one of the jackets or whatever, but, um, but yeah, I'll do, I'll do what, what I really like doing is some of the loggers that I've had success with in competition. I will do, half batches but i'll just do uh i'll do no sparge beers with them oh, okay and so so i don't i don't sparge them at all i use more grain and i mash in a little bit thinner 
Yeah. Um, so for me, what it is, I actually mash in at 2.68 quarts per pound. 2.68. <laughs> That's my really? math. I remember it. Yeah. Okay. Because that generally, that, that will generally give me the right volume I need for like a finished nine barrels or like finished eight barrels in the kettle. Okay. Right on. Um, and so I think that it's a really nice way of, I think those beers drink not fuller, but I, I think that there is a, I think there's an intensity to those beers and especially in some beers that are intrinsically like less aggressive, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, sure. so uh, like for instance, um, I have had some success with uh, a Hellas Rock. Um, when, when, when I've made that, it's just a little golden, a golden smoke beer. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll do that. No sparge. Um, and I feel like you get a, I feel like you get a fuller character out of it. Um, as opposed to like the other 5% beers that I do with traditional, you know, sparging and everything like that. And it could just be something in my head, but it's also weighed. It's also weighted. It's also proved out in competition. I feel too. Um, that I feel like I tend to, those beers tend to do better in competition when when I take that approach with it. So that's right. I'll have to try that. I mean, I know that it's when I do the three barrel stuff, it is a lot less sparge. I mean, it, yeah. If it's a sparge, it's like a half a barrel. A sp- well, and, and, and and what I'll do is I'll break down. Uh, I'll break down that process for for anybody that's listening. There's. There, I'm positive. Ooh, best case, best. Uh, go back and watch the. It's one of the more recent brew days. Going to playlists, um, and there is a uh, there's a Schwartz beer episode brew day that I have on there. It's something about gold medal winning uh, Schwartz beer. Um, that was that Schwartz beer was uh, one of the one of the no sparge uh, beers that yeah. I did. Um, and that worked out. So there's a bunch of stuff in there, but we, we can talk, we, we can talk separately about the, the whole, the whole breakdown with all that stuff. So, um, well, listen, rock, we're, we're about two hours in. So, uh, as always, I know time flies, man. It's, it's really wild. I I, want to thank you once again for, for coming on and just talking, you know, what, what I don't think most, most of you might not know is uh after just about every live stream rock and i do this um it's just not recorded <laughs> it's usually not two hours sometimes it's two hours but it's... so uh yeah rock has just been uh, a, a dear friend and and especially after reconnecting uh the the last the last couple of years it's just uh, both uh, professionally and personally, it's it's just been such a such a wonderful uh, addition and uh, to 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 my life. So, uh, Rock, I I, I want to thank you. Um, uh, I'll, I'll talk you. to you here uh, in a few. Everybody yeah. else, uh, please go ahead. Jamie Tripp was talking about making the trip over to Flint. You, you do not want to be missing the beers, and from what I hear, some very very killer food over at Redwood Steakhouse and Brewing. Uh, we don't hit on it a, a, a ton. I, I, I do mention it, but but listen, Rock has won every award you, you can win in this industry. Uh, the, the, guy, the guy does next level stuff. You can go over there, get yourself some killer food and some killer beers 
and uh, go and check that out. And kind of the wrap up stuff, please do go ahead and sub to the channel, sub to the podcast, rate those things, all the thumbs up comments, sharing them with your beer loving brew. I always said brewer loving. That's another heck share with your brewer loving friends too, right? (laughs) But uh, anyways, as always, uh, appreciate you being here. Remember that on August 1st, Tuesday at 7 p.m., a little bit different time, a little bit different day is going to be our August birthday at a makes beer live stream. Uh So we will be uh, seeing you then, everybody, and have a wonderful night. Hold on just a second, Rock. Well, uh, I can talk to you in the green room. Bye, guys. In the, in the green room. Right on. Yeah. <laughs>